from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And happy 2019 out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics here at Studio A in Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do every time we get on the air. He is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade. He is the one we know as Alan Moore. Hey, Alan. Happy New Year. Happy 2019. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Thank you. In the cage, keeping us whole, he's Rob the Engineer. Somewhere out there in Radio Land is Audrey Howerton, our executive producer. And uh, we should have people checking in for our first show of the year. But, you know, being gone for three weeks during the holidays, you would think that it would be a slow news cycle, Alan. And yet... We don't even know where to start. I mean, the big news right now is that, in case you don't know this, today is day 17 of the Trump government shutdown. This is the shutdown that uh, Donald Trump, back in December, said, hey, you know what, I'll take credit for this, this is mine, (laughs) don't worry, I'm not going to try and blame it on you, which that, uh, that promise lasted about all of two seconds. Uh, it has created a partial government shutdown. Now, when we talk about a partial government shutdown, who are we talking about? Largely civilian agencies. We are talking about the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Commerce, uh, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, uh, the Treasury Department, the uh, which includes the IRS, ironically. Agriculture. Uh, Department of Agriculture. Uh, the Department of Education is open at full staff. They were appropriated. But it is, the the one that is the most unusual is, and let's be clear why this government shutdown happened. Back on December 23rd, we had already gone on hiatus, and on December 23rd, the government had said that we are going to stop having appropriated money at midnight on that Friday. And on that Friday, they said, we're done. At which point, uh, they went to a partial government shutdown, but it was because of a deal that supposedly happened where the Democrats and the Republicans in the Senate and the House had all said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to run through, we got a deal, we'll kick the wall question down the road, but this was based on the president demanding $5.6 billion for the infamous southern border wall. As a result, the Republicans and Democrats did what they did. They came up with a deal. They went to the White House, and the White House said, yeah, no, we're not going to do the deal. We want a wall, and we want $5.6 billion. And if you don't, I'll shut the whole thing down. I'm going to burn down the whole house. And that's what he did. And now we're in day 17. Uh, Alan, let's go back to the beginning of this, because... When we were last on the air, there was some hope that the Republicans and the Democrats in both the House and Senate had struck a deal and could get this through to avoid the exact situation we're in right now. Uh, Word I got was this ticked off so many Republicans, especially in the Senate, that the president pulled this. Who's to blame? Is it, in fact, the president? Oh, there's no question that that it's the president and and what what infuriates people in Washington this is hard to believe for those who aren't from around here and who think nobody ever keeps their word 
and everybody always lies, um, it's actually not true. When people say they'll do something, almost always they follow through. And f- and and for those who fail to follow through, it's really hard for them in the future to be able to negotiate, to be able to reach agreement. President Trump breaks the mold there because he is constantly, although he talks about himself as a great negotiator, he'll offer something, it will be responded to, it may be accepted, and then he changes his mind. I'll remind everyone that it is very, very, very much like the way he reportedly has run his business. He'll bring in a contractor to do some work on a on a golf course um, uh, building, let's say. And, and in this case, the contractor happened to be uh, Mitch McConnell. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> or, that he, what, or the he he's no, he's notorious for having a deal and the work getting done, and then him changing his mind and renegotiating and renegotiating and renegotiating, and that's what he's doing in government. Generally, Now, what happened in this particular case was, one, about three-fourths of government had already been funded through the end of the fiscal year of, uh, of uh, that, that runs up through September 30th of 2019. That seemed like a good idea at the time. There's some people now questioning whether by taking so much of government, things like Social Security and Medicare, for example, and the Defense Department, um, and and already fully funding them and leaving these other agencies behind um, seemed like a good idea. But what happens is when you have then a shutdown, a lot less of government and a lot fewer people, particularly taxpayers and voters, uh, are, are affected. So... But, but all they tried to do and thought they had an agreement, and this was clearly the signal they had gotten, if not from the president himself. That's a little came, murky. It, it, the word he, I've gotten the, is it came from everybody in the White House. Well, exactly. So so what, what happens is the people around the president, from the chief of staff on down, say, we agree. We will kick the can into February. We wanted a deal before the, b- before the Democrats took control of the House. We know that come February, pick a date. February eight was one that was talked about. It that I think was in the bill that passed unanimously by the Senate until the president changed. His mind, or if he didn't change his mind, <laughs> then he changed. No, he definitely, the, he definitely no, changed his mind. No, 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 no. We don't actually know what where his mind was. All we know is that everybody around him said, "We yes. got a deal." So one has to assume that these people who know this president didn't just go take a flyer. Having said that, it was the it was the people around him who were undercut along with the Congress. The idea was, we'll fund the government for another six weeks. It means the president is going to have to negotiate with a Democratic House, and so be it. Well, um, hold, hold, hold that thought for a second. Let me, let, me, let me jump in on that one right now. I mean, because it seems that they were doing the kabuki dance here in Washington, Around the lead up when up until the day that the Republicans and Paul Ryan were still in power in the House and we had the numbers in the Senate that 
they were doing the kabuki dance, it almost seems like the president wanted the Democrats to be in power before he really made a maneuver, literally shutting down the government at a whim. No, I don't think so. I think that he knew he couldn't get the money he wanted for the wall out of the Senate. He got it fine from the House. That wasn't a problem. He He still had the tail end of a Republican House. He did not have the 60 votes that he needed in the Senate to get Five billion for the wall, five point six billion, four billion. So it, the question was, when will we have this fight? And the agreement was people were sort of resigned. We'll have this fight in February, not right now, when we know we can't get it. And when it's Christmas, and surely we won't have a shutdown, because a shutdown, it just does does significant harm to innocent people, not only employees, but people who rely on federal uh, government federal programs. Go- yeah, so, well, not, not, well the, I mean, we're talking about the employees that are out. Now, some agencies found secret slush money and had them paid for one additional cycle past the appropriation state. For example, I know... DHS made payroll, but they were only able to make one payroll. This coming Monday or this coming Friday, yep. when the next check runs go, there's no money and they're not going to have any checks and nobody's going to get their direct deposits. And and that's a problem. No, you got 800,000 people who are affected. About half of them are actually working without a promise of a paycheck. The others are told stay home and you and there's no promise of a paycheck. And, and a lot of these people uh, That's not even live, t- that's not even taken into consideration the amount of government contractors. You're right. talking another 800,000 government I'm contractors. I'm not sure the number on the contractors, but it but 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 there there are, are a lot of people who are not involved in this fight who live close to or at paycheck to paycheck who are are facing really challenging personal situations right now Un- unnecessarily they're simply pawns in this larger game does the, it bother I, you that donald trump that the head of and and i'll say this the head of our party alan is literally gone literally goes out Walking out to Marine One when asked the question, can you relate to the people that are suffering during this shutdown? And he has the balls to say, oh, yeah, I can relate to them. And you know what? They'll adjust like 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 there's some sort of like genetic code that's going to fix them. Well, so so first of all, first of all, we all know that there's no way in hell that he relates to them. Um, what what was particularly stupid, though, is to 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 be so insensitive as to suggest, well, yeah, they'll make adjustments, and yeah, hopefully some of those landlords will cut them some slack. People know that down the road they'll be good for it. Well, landlords, some will, some won't. It's not just the landlords. Which, um, ironically, he was not one of the landlords that used to cut people slack, by the way. He didn't have a lot of federal employees uh, living in the Trump Tower buildings. Those were his father's buildings. Um, Oh, that's true. Maybe they still own a few of those. I don't know. Um, the, 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 The tragic part of this is that 
that that the Republican members of Congress were really frustrated that they couldn't get this done, realizing it's going to be a different group of players in February and it's going to be a mess. But at least we're, we're, we're agreed that that's when the fight's going to occur. And it was then that the pre, that all the, the president's people agreed that that was the way it would be. Who knows? We have to believe that the president kind of knew. Then the president started listening to some of the conservative talk show hosts, um, the Rush Limbaugh's and, and Ann Coulter's, who said he's folding again. Folks, this Don't forget was, Sean Hannity. This was not a fold. This was a, an acknowledgement that we can't get it done now. The fold may occur, but if it does, it'll be in February. But the president bought into their BS rhetoric and decided, oh, but that- I need to sound tough. I got to sound tough. So never mind. I'm not going to sign. Be, but Alan, that has to be disconcerting to the American electorate. The fact that his advisors, his uh, chief of staff at the time, his uh, treasury secretary, his leadership, his his cabinet and his inner circle in the White House are saying, "Don't, don't not do this deal. Don't back off this deal. You got to start. Mo- you have to keep your word on this." Does it? It should be disconcerting to the American people that Ann Coulter, Sean Hannity, and Rush Limbaugh are have more influence on domestic fiscal policy than do the actual smart people in the room. Am I wrong on that? Well, yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> Sorry, but when you say it should bother the American people. It does not bother the Trump supporters because they don't really want to know the details. They buy into the Rush Limbaugh and Coulter line that he is caved again. But here's the thing. This this is remarkable. And, And here's where I think Trump overplayed his hand on this. If you talk to Trump base that work in like places like Elizabeth City, North Carolina, Fayetteville, uh, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska. You start talking to those people who work the eight to five jobs as government employees or government contractors who would normally or are still considering themselves part of the Trump base. They are starting to now question when asked the question, hey, do you believe in this? He goes, I believed in it until it came back that, oh, no, I now have to, you know, I don't have a paycheck because of this bet, this gamble. Government employees are experts in this. It, it, it Most Americans who work are experts in what their employers are doing, what their paycheck is, when it's coming, when it's not coming, when there's a problem, what their bills are. When this occurred... The people who rely on the federal government for their paychecks, be they direct employees, contractors, or even the people who work in the diner across the street from the federal building who have a full restaurant every day at lunch suddenly have an empty restaurant. There are many, many people. Those people are not 
particularly sympathetic to whatever the president's argument is because they know that it has to do with this wall on the southern border, not with the HUD or Department of Agriculture uh, program that these people are working in. I rem- I was I was intrigued in some ways amused by the irony when the president made a comment the other day offhanded. Well, those federal employees, they can work it out. Besides, they're all Democrats anyway. And I thought to myself, they didn't used to be, sir, but they are today. Yeah, but, but, he, but here's here's the hard part for me, because and this is where it gets personal for me. Somebody who's worked for a government contractor, and, and I have a lot of friends, particularly here inside the Washington, D.C. area, where there is a large number of these small businesses that employ 20, 30, 40, 50 people that do anything from IT support services to administrative help uh, to uh, subject matter expertise support to these different agencies. There are people who have literally spent their entire life savings creating and standing up these small businesses to create a better life for them, their employees, and their families. And the people I have talked to just in the past 48 hours that said, if this does not, if the government shutdown continues past this Friday, I will not be in business. That disturbs me. That disturbs me on such a huge level that these are that these are people searching out the American dream, and it's the American government, more so the chief executive of the American government, that is causing them to lose their houses, causing them to make decisions like, do I feed my family? Or am I losing the company that I've spent the past 10 years building up because of a pissing contest from the White House? Well, the American public at large is not going to be particularly concerned about individual situations, individual cases. They, the, the people who support Donald Trump will say, we don't want him to cave, hang tough, we don't like those federal employees anyway. So so when you talk about the American people at large, nobody's paying a lot of attention. Sadly, though, the situation we're in at the moment is not materially different than the situation we would have been in in February had we done the deal that everybody assumed we were going to do, that there was agreement on, that passed the Senate— Unanimously, okay? So so we were never going to avoid a major fight. The question was we whether we're going to— Well, could we have avoided a major government shutdown we, now going into a third week? No, no, no. That was my—that's the point. We should have, could have. Most people thought we were going to until the president pulled the rug out from under all the people who represent him and work for him um, simply to respond to this ignorant narrative that the president had sold out and caved in again. And the president, um, in his own super sensitivity of trying to please his base, said, oh, my gosh, I can't have people saying that rather than saying 
Shut up, you people. Pay attention to what's going on. We tried to get a deal now. We're going to have to get a deal now in February. There's no reason to shut down the fourth of government because but, we're we're going to have this fight. But, no, no, this but, fight is not over, people. Quit saying it's over that I've caved. It's not. But, Alan, nobody is seeing the irony of the fact that the reason why and the reason why Trump shut down the government and I put it in those terms the reason why he shut down the government and the reason why everybody else under the Trump umbrella is saying we shut down government was because of the wall because now they're starting to float it as well because of the barrier and enhanced border security yet the people who are really getting screwed are the people tasked with securing the border. The Border Patrol is not being paid as we speak. Customs and Border Protection field officers, the ones that run those ports of entries, are not getting paid. 40,000 members of the U.S. Coast Guard are not getting paid as we speak. Yet all of them are still on duty. But they don't know when their next check is going to come in to their deposit side. There's, that's just the idiocy. The idiocy well, of the, this. The, 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 if, if you really thought that all of this waste, and there's literally billions of dollars of waste associated with a shutdown of this duration, of this amount of government, for nothing. Um, if, if you thought that at the end of the day that particular tactic was going to get you something other than talking points, yeah, you could make a reasonable argument. There was no one in the Congress or around the president, with the the you know the likely uh, exception of a of a small handful who thought. Yeah, make your stand now. It was some talk show people whose job is to be provocative and who often don't have the detail of the perspective who couldn't realize, oh, they're kicking the can down the road to buy time. They're not selling out for the rest of this fiscal year. The president's going to have this fight. He's just not going to have it over the holidays, which is a really awkward, challenging time during a transition from Republican to Democrat. The Republicans in Congress have said, we're not going to we can't get this done now. We're going to have to do it with the Democrats in charge of the House, period. That was a loss enough. What the president did was compounded it by creating all of this dislocation. He's he's painted himself into a corner by talking about it's got to be five you know five point six billion dollars or nothing. Meanwhile, I'm not that impressed with the, with the Democrat response, which is you get nothing, nothing. We've offered one point three. Yeah. You're at five point six. Here's what our position is after a negotiation, do, nothing more. Do we see any light at the end of this tunnel? Well, yeah, there's all kinds. Of, the irony well, is, well, well, light. The government will be back running at some point. 
within a few weeks in my judgment, and I just can't tell you exactly the path. I've got my own preferred path, given the situation that the president has created and the corner he's painted himself into and looking across the room at the corner that 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 uh, Speaker Pelosi and and Lee and Minority Leader Schumer have but painted what, themselves again, into. I go back to my original question: What is the light? Well, so so I don't know what the president's going to say tonight. Whether it's going to be a simple repeat for national television to say, "Okay, here's what I propose," and have it be any different. I'm not guessing that he will, but you never know with this president. You never know. It's one of our problems. But this do may be really a case. This may be has, a case. Do you really think he has the capacity of doing an Oval Office? I mean, you're talking about something that you're talking about a venue where this president has no hooping and hollering, base loving people behind, in the front rows of an auditorium or a barn somewhere. Uh, it is teleprompter scripted which he hates there's no coming off script is he capable of doing that (laughs) i'm intrigued that you say there's no coming off script Uh, you're right i'm sorry i I forgot i'm going off of every traditional president the moment he chooses to um and 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 if in the moment he does and he has in the past come off script on those rare occasions when he uses one usually messes up but um, can he the, afford the, a mess the, up? Well, can he afford a mess up tonight? He, 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 <laughs> it, it it depends on how we get out of this mess. Now, so so let's suppose that all he does is repeat what he's been saying. We also know that the House has got its own strategy. The House is going to start passing much narrower bills, um, federal agency by federal agency. They're going to have a bill to reopen the Treasury Department. Seven Republicans last week voted for with, with, with the House leadership um, on a much bigger bill. There may be some more some more folks who will say, "Yeah, let's fund Treasury for God's sakes. It's not part of this fight, and we need to give uh, tax uh, re- refunds to people." But, but so, why would again? Everybody's talking about why don't we fund everything else but DHS. And DHS is actually the ones that are not being paid, and they're the ones that are supposed to be protecting no, no, no. the okay. border. So the way I would do it, the way I would do it is, and they, this is not rocket but science. But this makes sense. No, no, no. I All know I'm where you're going. Is, no, fund the other agencies through the end of the year. Be done with them. We know what the numbers are going to be. Take DHS and fund it into the middle of February and say, Okay, we're giving ourselves three weeks to work out the border issues, border security, wall, humanitarian needs, et cetera, of which there are are hundreds of millions of new money needed to deal with the humanitarian stuff. Um, Let's get the other stuff out of here. We'll focus on DHS. We'll bring people back to work temporarily, and we will go back. Balls out to get a deal done. Actually, you want to. I, I want to. I, I want to. I want to commend Senator John Thune, the Republican from South Dakota, who sponsored uh, Senate Bill Twenty One, which is the Pay Our Coast Guard Act. I'm going to go a little homer here. Congratulations, Senator John Thune. For here's the thing: is if there's in a government shutdown, the the government is mandated by law to pay payroll at DOD and keep DOD functioning through personnel, at least. 
you can't go out and you can't go do conferences and travel and everything like that, but you'll at least get paid doing your what you're supposed to do. Senator John Thune introduced Senate Bill 21, the Pay Our Coast Guard Act, on the 4th of January, which basically says the Coast Guard, even though it's DHS, will still have the same mandatory appropriated funds, shut down or not, regardless, the Coast Guard will get paid, which to me makes sense. It brings them in line with every other military service, even though... Again, their Department of Homeland Security. So I do want to commend uh, Senator Thune for having the, the the common sense through this entire city of fog. I know we're out of time here, but the, but 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 the last two thoughts on what I would yeah. what, I, what I would like to, to to see them do is the president to say, I'm willing to negotiate. I'm willing to come off my number. I want the the the, the Democrats to agree that they would come off their number. If we can't agree to a number and the detail, I reserve the right to declare a national emergency. I think that's nonsense. I'm just telling you that he doesn't have to give that up. That that I, I don't know that, that legally if he tried to do that, if he would make it, we may well find out. He may just lead with that tonight. I don't know. I want a pink. But, I, you know what? I want a purple unicorn. I, we're not going to get that. We are not going to get that. You know why? Because that makes too much political common sense. Well, the president is not completely crazy. When he what? when he what? reads when he reads the stories and hears anecdotal information about hardships that he has created for hundreds of thousands of people, and food stamps are about to end at the end of this week. Do you really think he is giving a fleeting second on food stamps? I think that he realizes probably more than you and I that he has a lot of supporters you, who receive food stamps. You, oh. A lot of those Trump voters in the states that made the difference receive food yeah. stamps and other federal benefits. Yeah. yeah. You know you know you know what? I thank you. Thank you very much, Rob, the engineer behind the glass, keeping us in. Oh, Charlie's here. Happy New Year, Charlie, our host here at, at uh, Backroom Politics here at Podcast Village. Oh, by the way, we'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. Now I'm disgusted. I found him out, had a show down. When I think of him, how much I love him, I got a desperate notion. That's the way I feel today. My heart is aching because he's making a plaything of my devotion. That's the way I feel today. Without any reason or a word to say, that man turned his keys in, he packed and went away. What good is living? I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean. That's the way I feel today.
live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we are back for the best political talk show you've never heard of. This is Backroom Politics from Studio A in Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. In studio with me, as he is always, he is the Honorable Alan Moore. Running the glass today, Rob the Engineer. Thank you, Rob. Rob, can you chime in? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, hey, by the way, I, I got a joke. Uh, hey, Alan, what's the difference between Lucky Charms and Notre Dame? Lucky Charms and Notre Dame. Um, I don't know. Lucky Charms deserves to be in a bowl. Thank you. There's our sports humor for the day. Even, even I, I think even Rob liked that one. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's get back to what we do here, politics. Well, uh, we can't make a Notre Dame joke and not at least acknowledge what the disaster that befell Alabama last night. Yeah, that was ugly. That was ugly. There's a new sheriff in town. Uh, Dabo Sweeney. And, and that is uh, that's this Coach Sweeney and and Clemson. Um, the, uh, the, the king is dead. Long live the king! Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, goodbye, that, that Alabama. Was a great, Boy, that great was a uh, win for Clemson, though. Uh, not that we won't be seeing Alabama in the future, and not that this finished them, but what a disaster for them last night! Oh, uh, they couldn't catch a cold. Kudos to uh, they could not catch a cold last night to to Clemson. Yeah. That's anyway, true. hey, uh, Rob the engineer, real quickly, because I'd ask Alan, but I don't even think Alan knows who Little Wayne is. Uh, <laughs> did you see the absolute? bloodbath that little wayne's taking on yeah, social I, media i don't know what's going on i, I i've seen uh, i think the best thing i've seen is that he looks like the hamburglar that, I, I saw that one and then somebody said that he somebody posted him next to the saxophone player of electric mayhem of the muppets and actually posted him also next to dr teeth i like the dr teeth reference that was fun but yeah, that was. Oh, he's got to look all right. <laughs> That'd be a good look for you, Rob. You should consider it. Maybe next week. <laughs> Stay tuned. That's a tease. Hey, uh, in case you didn't know, I mean, we are literally trying to figure out which way to go for the second because there is just so much we need to talk about. Uh, Admiral Ken Carradine and Dan Lipner will be joining us in the five o'clock hour. Um, but Alan Moore talking about the stuff that happened. Between Christmas and now, what struck you as being the big, uh, the the other big story, other than the government shutdown and the fact that the uh, Democrats took control of the House? They're getting they're getting settled right now. What I mean, where do we go from here? Well, there are there are some other storylines that are that are fascinating. Um, we already now have. Uh, uh, a presumed likely Democratic candidate, Elizabeth Warren, is, uh, has has established a, uh, a exploratory, pres- exploratory committee. committee and has been spending time in Iowa and has been triggering a lot of articles about her likability, which drives her and other women crazy. Well, legitimately so. Um, it's, does it's does just Elizabeth a Warren have the same problem that Hillary Clinton had? Well, she does and she doesn't. Um, That's like kind of pregnant. Well, I mean, she's not very likable in the eyes of many because she's so stern and takes herself so seriously. Um, and that can be a problem for political candidates, 
particularly for women, uh, that will go away over time, I suspect, but it, it, it still exists now. We've had an enormous amount of attention to uh, some of the new members, not, <laughs> not always in the most positive way. We have Senator AOC, our Congressman AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, from, from New York, who's sort of the darling of the class um, and, uh, and gets, uh, gosh, an enormous, uh, uh, crazy uh, uh, amount of attention. Um, 2.5 million followers in She idea? speaks out on lots of things about which she doesn't know very much. You completely glassed over that. 2.5 million followers on Twitter? It, I, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, she's... Uh, <laughs> she's she's, a, she's, a, political, she's, she's a political Kardashian. Well, or a Trump. Um, uh, well, yeah, because she has a problem with facts, too. She has a problem with facts, yeah. and she pushes back when she's challenged And ironically, challenged both from it. Queens. So... <laughs> So, <laughs> is there something in the water in Queens? I, By the way, I guarantee you, in the next thirty seconds, my sister-in-law, who is a regular listener to the show live on Twitter every week, is going to be hitting me up, going, "Why do you have a problem with Queens?" Well, because the two people in high-profile government positions, POTUS and AOC, both have a problem with facts, and they're both from Queens. Let, let us let us say that, although I totally agree that that. That uh, my invitation of my Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez no uh, has has uh, has had some trouble with facts. I think even though she pushes back and says it's not about facts, it's about whether you're morally right. Eh, Sorry, in government, uh, morally right, great, important. Um, You need a foundation, but you also need facts in order to uh, to to win arguments. But she's. A smart woman, my God, at age 29, what she's been able to achieve, let's acknowledge it's in, it, it's really amazing. And she, we're, we're all paying some attention to her. Um, and so we'll see. She could do a lot of damage to herself if she doesn't rein it in, but I think she may well rein it in. She's smart. Right. She's a, she's, she makes excellent use of social media. She she strikes back in the in, wanna, the, in the queen's mode. Oh yeah, oh, um, oh yeah. So she's, she's, here's the thing: is I think she's making freshman amateur mistakes. I do believe that once she starts uh, paying her dues. I think she could be very formidable. She's going to be a future leader of the party, whether you like it or not. I don't know if she is. We'll see. You know, I remember. It- I, I remember many, many years ago when astronaut Harrison Jack Schmidt came to the Senate <laughs> yeah. from from Arizona, Arizona, right? And he suddenly realized that he had a forum, and in the Senate, you have an enormous ability to get floor time and to speak. Way different than in the House. Um, and and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is going to discover. That that her that well she probably will discover and maybe has already. I don't need the house. I have other forums, other soapboxes. I have Twitter. Um, I have social and, media. And what 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 Jack Schmidt didn't know what to do with was this newfound ability to get floor time and to, and to have something to say about everything. <laughs> and before long, as in weeks or a couple of months. Everyone was tired of him. Ignored everything he said. He was highly ineffective. He was a one-termer. I don't know what's going to happen. With her, I'm not predicting that. I was just, but just sort of reminded of of it when somebody had something to say, 
and a bunch of people were listening initially, which they which they are. Whether she's gonna she's gonna pay her interns more than minimum wage, great. Have you figured out how to how much your budget is and how you're gonna pay the the the, the senior staff? Maybe instead of having a dozen unpaid interns or modestly paid, you'll have one well paid. Fine. Right. Those are choices that have always been available to people, but but she she she's going to have to to be accountable. She's her, got a learning curve. Her yeah, I mean her her first sort of substantive offering and and how you pay for Medicare for all earned four Pinocchios from the Washington, Washington Post, Post right. because she said you could you could pay thirty two trillion dollars over ten years. Smart move with saving from the Defense Department. Smart smart move doing sixty minutes as green as she is. I you know you you take advantage of the opportunity. I watched that interview. I thought she did pretty well. I, I thought so, but so, but is there a you know I I. And, and let me be clear before every Democrat I know starts hitting me up on text messaging before I say this, I am not implying that AOC is this. However, is there a fear that all of this early exposure could make her a political Kardashian? I don't know. I, I, I'm... I'm I'm just not prepared to make, it, make a Kardashian AOC link because let me go, let I think let me, let me, let me go, wait, hold on. Let she me do knocked one step off back. a 10-term leader in the House who many people thought would be the next speaker, and she beat him in Queens by just and, by by hustle and, and maneuver. And Dave did the same thing on the Republican side down in Virginia when they took out Eric Cantor. He, he did, but nobody paid attention to who he was. Everybody knows who AOC is. She's got a national following. I don't know if she's going to burn out. Is that dangerous for the Democratic Party? Well, I, you know, it's, they're, they're grown-ups over there. They got they got 20 people who want to be, who think they might be able to be president. She's not one of them. She's not old enough. But is she, is when, she a flavor of the month, though? I mean, because I, I remember here, I remember that we used to hear the same buzz that is surrounded about around AOC, we heard that not just five months ago around uh, Beto O'Rourke, and and eighteen months ago it was Julian Castro, and before that you could insert anybody nah, from John Edwards. I'll go with the Beto, you, but I don't, I don't. I never felt oh, the Castro. The, the Castros have always had the Castros. Buzz. They've oh, been around. Yeah. They've been around a long time. But but it's you know the, the times have changed. Social media. She's a very she she's striking looking, very attractive young woman, um, provocative, smart. Pulled off a big upset. There's a lot of attention there. Um, how much staying power? I don't know. Is she going to figure out a strategy that works for her over time? Some people get in as Hillary Clinton did, as Jay Rockefeller did when he came to Washington. Come in. They do their homework. They figure out how to do stuff. They find a niche. They find some issues and ride with them. Al Gore did that. So, so I don't know what she's going to do. She she has these great grand schemes of right. the, the greening uh, of America, um, trillions and trillions of dollars she would like to spend. At least I'll say this for her when asked, "How do you pay for it?" She right. said. Well, we gotta we gotta increase taxes. At least she was willing to say that, and and get taxes up, you know, back 
like they were up to maybe seventy percent uh, marginal rate for really for really wealth, wealthy people, and then try to explain to folks how the tax system works. I think it's a little bit like the president. She stepped, she stepped off the lily pad. She didn't know how it worked, yeah. and so she's explaining it because she only just learned it. Uh, I think I know why Rob was giving me like hand signals from the sidelines, like like Dabo Sweeney. Uh, is that Admiral Ken on the line? I believe it is. Admiral Ken, is that you? Admiral Ken. No, Admiral Ken. No, we lost him. All right, we'll check back in. Speak up if it's you. Yeah, anyway. um, Anyway, but here's the thing is, uh, if if in fact we uh, are seeing what seems to be coming around a... 31 flavored Democratic ticket. Are the Democrats literally putting themselves in the exact same position? They're overstacking the deck with so much talent that it's somebody like a Trump that's going to pop up and swipe it from everybody? <laughs> I have no idea. I certainly didn't predict uh, Trump. Um, and I wouldn't know who the Trump would be uh, in, in this kind of a situation. Is it? Is it? Is it a? Is it Bernie Sanders again? I don't think so. I think his time uh, came and went. Um, it, because when you're 77, 78 years old and look it, um, it doesn't hurt a man as much as it hurts a woman. But it ain't don't look great on a man. So right. So he looks like an old man, kind of acts like an angry old man. That was appealing right. uh, last time around. Now people want want the younger folks they want to hear more from beto right the thing that's different this time is that whereas in the past you had to have a donor base and you had to be able to raise enough money to stay in one more round one more round of primaries beto o'rourke showed and other democrats have shown uh, president obama frankly showed it you can create a donor base via the the internet of small donors that can give you sustainability, financial staying it, power that in but the we've past seen articles didn't. But we exist. have seen articles. Uh, in fact, in fact, uh, our good friend Jonathan Allen uh, with NBC News stepped in it when he came out and started going off and saying that you know Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Sanders would take, you know, these small dollar amounts, but at the same time, they shown that he had taken big dollar amounts as well, and there was a hypocrisy in that. And is that really a smart move to just start playing? All right, I'm only going to do small donor amounts. And- Whoa, no, I didn't say only. All I'm saying is, with that avenue now open and out there and people pick up their cell phone and shoot 10 20 50 bucks to somebody like they're riding an uber is just a different phenomenon that hasn't existed in the past that doesn't mean you don't take big money too um it it just means that there's likely to be more money longer so some of these people who would in the past have run out of money early might be able to, here's, to, here's to hang on longer are the Democrats getting in dangerous territory when you it's now a rush of not how much you can raise early, but now it's a race of how early you can get in to raise first. 
Does that does that paint a bad trajectory for the Democrats in 2020? I have no idea. It's just such uncharted territory here. Is um, this the new future of politics? It, it, it's part of the new future. I, I just don't know how, how big a factor it is. Beto O'Rourke, $70 million to it's run for Senate in Texas. Um, he still lost. He still lost to... <laughs> Perhaps the most unpopular politician in Washington, but Ted Cruz. Should that not be a signal? I mean, listen to what you just said. He rose seventy million dollars, record numbers, as a Democrat in a state that is going slightly purple, and he still lost to the one despised individual in both parties. He is probably the most hated man in the Senate, and he lost. Right. That would seem to make him a front runner to me, wouldn't it, you? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, the irony is that that, that Beto O'Rourke, <laughs> you know, who, who as I as I said once in the past, you know, he, he was a congressman for six years and and uh, people are still uh, looking for some accomplishment for while he was here. Having said that, he's got an appeal and he's got an appeal that works on social media. It helped him raise all of this money. People talk about him being Kennedy-esque. People who don't even know what that means because they weren't alive when any of the when he, when any of the Kennedys we all uh, remember, right. principally John Kennedy and his brother Bobby Kennedy, they were the ones who were Kennedy-esque, who right. had that charisma, that 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 people's touch. Uh, Ted Kennedy a little bit, but it was really the older brothers. Um, that so, but he has an appeal. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but but he's is, got is, a long list of donors that, if they were willing to support him for the Senate in Texas, may be willing to kick in some dough uh, for 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 president. Is Joe Biden the great equalizer? Well, Joe Biden is 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 right now in my mind the front runner. If he could team up with with the right partner, although I don't see it happening early even though people always talk about it um you know he's 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 well into his 70s uh, which is uh not disqualifying but it's not the strongest want, uh, uh argument for you I, I will tell you right now if you want to hear the drop everything guaranteed saturday afternoon college football lock win you have Joe Biden on the top of the ticket and have Beto O'Rourke on the bottom of the ticket. You get progressives happy. He's young enough. He could follow right in behind. I don't see a Joe Biden doing a second term at his age. I think he would do it just to kick Donald Trump in the proverbial scrotum for well, it. Well, so 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 I've thought about the same scenario of of Biden. You wouldn't want to run and say I'm a one-term president, but you might have it in your mind. Um, you, you, if you're well into your 70s, you better have it in your mind. But I don't believe the Democrats can get away in the party with having an all-male ticket. So for me, it's Biden, Klobuchar. Even though it possibly, would be a or, lock win and satisfy every Democrat and even left-of-center independent, you have a moderate kind of blue lunch pail type Democrat at the top of the ticket. You think, to, you think 
that unless one of them is a female, it's a no win for the Dems? I, when you say it's a deadlock, I say, well, how's it a lock? The, the, the women are the major force today in the Democratic Party. And I don't think that they are going to that that the women in the party are going oh, to are, are going to accept an all male take. Well, that's fine. You can disagree. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I think you're wrong. You think I'm wrong? I think wrong. you're wrong. But yeah, all right. No, I no, but that I I I, I value your opinion. I do. I do. <laughs> and that's what Coach said. Oh, I disagree. No, I did. Well, I, I, at least I didn't say you were high. <laughs> no, but you could say, interesting. I don't interesting. think you're right, but interesting. No, I disagree. Well, disagree. I do disagree. I mean, you're the one who's wrong, Justin. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> and we call that Tuesdays. Uh, hey, uh, real quick question. Does Donald Trump get contested? Well, <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to be on the ticket, as you know. Uh, I don't know why, whether it's because he's crippled and challenged and beaten, which seems less likely. If he wants to be in, then he's probably going to prevail. I think something else will occur. I don't know what. Let's see what Mueller says. Let's see what the response to Mueller is. Let's see how this current stalemate gets worked out. Um, Let's see what other issues emerge. uh, that that are personally embarrassing to him. Let's continue to watch the polls. Let's watch the economy. The, the stock market got rocked in a big Which way. We'll talk about that in the in, second show. in December. Yep. All these things have uh, implications uh, for for this president right. because the strongest thing he had going for him was. Uh, was the economy. The economy is still strong. Right. The market, which he was bragging about and claiming credit for until it turned and he was trying to blame somebody else, um, the head of the Fed, the Democrats. Absolutely. Um, uh, th- th- there are just lots of things in play, but the biggest thing in play for, for him will be what's happening <laughs> In, in in the family but, business, yeah. which has got some challenge. We got a whole other show we got to do. I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying that with regard to Trump and why he might not run, I can't tell you the answer. I'm just talking about all the things that are in play that could cause him I tend to, agree to say, you. you know, I don't need this, including the polls and where they are. And and as the Democrats begin, to, the candidates begin to emerge and we say we see head to head polls. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. So I tend to agree. I tend to agree. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, oh no, wait a minute! It's the top of the hour. That means we're done on this segment. Uh, Rob, the engineer, as always. Thank you, uh, Admiral Ken. Uh, we'll have you on for the next show. Thanks for trying to chime in. We'll talk to you here. And uh, Alan, as always, thank you. Uh, this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live in Studio A. At Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Uh, special shout out to uh, Audrey Howerton, our producer, who's at an undisclosed location. And we will have a full slate uh, starting. No, nope, actually, we'll only have a short slate for the next show. But uh, stay with us for the next segment. This is Backroom Politics. Papa, how come you do me like you do?